Florida A&M has a new athletic director after a six-month hunt, and her name is Tiffany Dawn Sykes. Then also, we hype up one of our biggest games of the week, Albany State versus Benedict College. Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. And I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. And Florida A&M has brought in a new athletic director. Tiffany Dawn Sykes is now taking over at that position, and the hunt has been going on for about six months now. It's about six months that this this has been going on. Courtney Gauthier left the program or was released, however you want to phrase it. I'm just going to say he left the program about six months ago in April. So I think it was late April. We're in mid-October now, so about a six-month process of trying to find the new person and they landed on Sykes and she is the first female athletic director in FAMU history so shout out to that that is a, a monumental thing for sure and I have a question um I just wonder how much not having an athletic director contributed or at at worst at worst how much not having an athletic director slow down the process of getting all of these kids eligible at the beginning of the season. I don't know that not having an AD made it worse, but I could assume that with an athletic director in charge, um, I don't know the exact, you know, duties. I, I know that's not their particular job, but I would assume that they would have hands in that. I think that with an athletic director, we could have seen at least some. There's still issues, but you would have seen at least some of these players who were ineligible actually make it. So that's something that I just think is kind of interesting. If you know the exact duties of an athletic director and that falls in the category, let me know in the comments below. But I would assume that it would just off the top of my head. And now they have somebody with 20 years of experience. Her career started in 2002 when she was a part of the sports information department at St. Paul's College. So from there, you see multiple stints of being in the sports information department and eventually became a sports information director. So like she's continued to level up. And we also have to remember you need leadership qualities, right? You need leadership positions. That's how you build up the resume for things like this. You don't just jump from being in the department to being the head of athletics. Like it doesn't work like that. So obviously she's built up and let's continue going through it while she was at St. Paul's. And I think she was there for like four years. She went from being a part of the sports information department then also getting a leadership 
position as the senior woman advisor or excuse me, senior woman administrator. So you see that leadership coming in. Another thing that she's done that I feel like is pretty good for this. She's worked in the conference office. So as an AD, you're going to have to have your hands in multiple sports in the conference office, though. She wasn't like the the president of the of the CIAA or anything, but she worked in the conference office where she had to deal with multiple sports and multiple teams. So I think that these things are good for her as far as showing that, okay, we trust she can do the job. Now, I don't think any FAMU or people, FAMU people are questioning whether she can do the job, but just ways to prove that she can. And then one thing that I would like to point out is I mentioned how I wasn't sure if the AD's responsibility was to deal with compliance. However, if it was, or even if it wasn't, I truly believe that Sykes could have helped because she has so much experience in that. And she has experience on the HBCU level as well. Shawin isn't an HBCU, it's in the CIAA. So I'll just mention them right now. But she was the NCAA or director of NCAA compliance, right? So that was there. And then you look at the HBCU experience at Norfolk State, she was the eligibility specialist. At Grambling, she also worked in compliance. So she has a lot of history in these things. Not only does she have history with HBCUs, the one thing, the biggest thing that is plagued or play, I won't say the biggest thing is plagued as if it's consistent, but the biggest issue that has popped up nationally was a compliance issue. We talk about the eligibility compliance is pretty much the same thing. It was a compliance issue with the players. I would assume that even if it wasn't her responsibility, her past experience would lend her to being like, OK, I can help get this situated. That's just what I would assume. And I wonder if maybe that experience played a part into why she got the job or I don't say it's the only reason, but you know, like, Oh, we know you're going to take care of one of our biggest issues. Let's go ahead and get you in because you also have an impeccable resume. And when speaking on that HBCU experience, she also had a stint at Virginia union. So that's Norfolk Grambling, Virginia union, um, time in the CIAA conference office. She is, and she graduated from Virginia state. So she is HBCU, right? So, if she ain't HBCU, who is, baby? Nah, I'm joking. <laughs> All right, I'm trying this. I'm trying to take that back. Take it back. Anyway, y'all know where I'm going with this. But going forward, we're going to be talking about the SIAC, the one conference that Don Sykes has not been a part of, the SIAC. We have a big-time game going on there. It's Albany State versus Benedict College. But first, let me tell you about LinkedIn because – Tiffany Dawn Sykes had it at a LinkedIn. I found it while Googling and trying to find as much information as I could about it. I stumbled across her LinkedIn page. And if she ain't too good for LinkedIn and she's the athletic director at FAMU, you ain't too good for a LinkedIn page either. And nobody is because it's so beneficial. This goes for those who are trying to work and then also for my small business owners. I don't want you to get caught in a position where you need actual workers and you have nobody who's bought in. You have nobody who's giving it, giving it their all. You have nobody who's giving good customer service. Now you're getting mad Yelp reviews that are saying how bad your customer service is and people should never go because you didn't get the right people there. Eliminate that. Eliminate that because you got LinkedIn. They give you the people that you want to talk to faster. LinkedIn is phenomenal. All you have to do is put up your job post and add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. Everybody's going to see it. And by everybody, I mean the 810 million people who are on LinkedIn. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs numero uno in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know that every week, nearly 40 million 
job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions do apply. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day in today's word of the day is mnemonic, right? Mnemonic. And it means assisting or intended to assist memory. Man, I need that. I need that for sure because my memory is absolutely garbage. Actually, just to use the term right away, I actually have sometimes when I have like stats and stuff, I actually put like little red dots, it's emoji, but it looks like a red dot on my note page just so I can remember, there goes my stats. It's a little mnemonic tool to help, to allow me to remember exactly where these numbers are when I don't have to search. So let's talk about this game, Albany State versus Benedict College. And I can't help but feel like this is the SEAC East Championship. It just makes sense to me. Um, The biggest game in the SIAC this year has been Benedict versus Fort Valley. That's the biggest game of the year thus far. Both were undefeated on the season, hadn't lost in conference, hadn't lost out of conference. The only two teams to be undefeated and one of only four teams in the HBCU landscape, but one of the two teams, the only two teams, excuse me, in the in the SIAC to be undefeated. So this was a big time matchup, right? But to me, it felt like a number one contenders match. To me, it felt like the second and third teams in the conference or at least the, the division, one of the two, right? It just didn't feel like they were the top dog to me, you know? So December could roll around, and I could be wrong, and the season could end, and we could say, oh, no, Fort Valley and Benedict College were indeed the two best teams, if not in the SIAC, at least in the East Division. So it ain't, it ain't December yet. I ain't quite ready to roll around and say I was wrong. See, I'm a little bit stubborn. I can be a tad bit stubborn when it comes to things like this. So the iconic phrase from Ric Flair is to be the man, you got to beat the man. Right. And I think it's applicable in so many situations, but, spe but specifically on this one, specifically here, because. I still got to give it to Albany State. They've done nothing to lose it for me in situations like this. You have if you're going to have a top dog and it's not like they're neck and neck. Albany State is the top dog, right? They were undefeated last year. They won the, the conference last year. It took them a couple of years to get over that miles hump, but they have been winning this division for a good amount of time. Yeah, I personally, I'm going to need something more. It either has to be a strong regression from the top team or a strong progression from another team who is below. And I just haven't seen the regression from Albany State like when you yes they lost a game to FAMU that's the only game they've lost all year let's get into their conference numbers right so their conference numbers right here one by 35 one by 17 one by three that is not a strong regression like South Carolina State has struggled to start the season while North Carolina Central has looked phenomenal yes I am going to say that Central is the best team Virginia Union has been absolutely bonkers, and we're going to talk about them on tomorrow's episode. While Bowie kind of stumbled out the gate. They, maybe they got themselves together now, but they kind of stumbled out of the gate. That's why I say Union's better. I haven't seen that stumble with Albany, so I'm still going to say that they are the man. They're still dominant in the same way. Mind you, yes, they went undefeated only last year. However, they've been winning this division for a good amount of time. So... 
I'm not quite ready to say that they're over the hump, but I will say that at worst, Benedict does look like the second best conference or second best team in the conference. And now you're going to have them facing off against Albany State. So this is like a SEAC East championship. And most times, I don't feel like we get to see this in the middle of the year where we know it's two teams. Often it's, all right, when you get about two games left, these are the people with the high conference records. But you kind of look at this in the middle of the year. And we didn't know this with FAMU last year, but it was kind of similar where at the beginning of the year, that ended up being the championship, the deciding factor. But overall, I think this could be the deciding factor. It could be a situation where this, the loser of this game doesn't lose to anybody else the rest of the season, but they lost to this team, so they don't win the division. It's that serious. I really think that these are the two best teams within the division, and I believe that they are going to be the deciding factor on who represents the East in the SEAC championship. And on paper, it's really tough. They're really close. They both have dominant defenses. They are basically two of the best defenses, to, if, if not the two best defenses in the conference, right? Benedict has the best scoring offense. Albany State has the lead in yards. In some ways, this game is kind of similar for Benedict College to their game against Fort Valley. In that game, they were facing off against Emmanuel Wilson, the number one leading rusher in the conference. Well, they don't have the number one guy this time, but they do have to face off against the number one team in rushing. So it's a very similar thing. Now, I believe that, you know, Emmanuel Wilson still got his in that game, but they were able to minimize it by jumping out to a sizable lead. I don't, I just don't see it happening. Albany State, to me, has been too good to on defense for me to think that, oh, they're just going to allow that game to jump out and they're going to have that kind of lead to where you can't run the ball. I expect Albany State, at the worst, to be able to run the ball for at least three quarters. Now, maybe in the fourth Things get accumulated, but I don't see them jumping out to a sizable lead to minimize or lessen the ability to run the ball. I just I just don't see it. Not in this game. Not in this game. But then you look at the defense that I was telling you about Albany State. They've allowed 10 total points in the last three games combined. Combined. A shutout. Seven points. Three points. They have been absolutely dominant on defense. And that's it'll be interesting because Bethune, not Bethune, uh, sorry, <laughs> Benedict College has a I'll do whatever I need to offense where they run the ball well, they pass the ball well. So you can't just take away one and expect them to be like, what do I do here? No, they're just going to go to their other because I believe they have faith in both of them. They're both kind of in the middle of the group when it comes to um, stats in the SIAC. But overall, they can do both of them. And I've seen them do both of them. So that'll be something that'll be very interesting to watch. And I think they said they had a mission to run on benedict college or on fort valley and they were able to do that so we'll see if they can do that as well and going forward i have two specific areas that i want to watch you have trenches and then quarterback play those are the things i want to watch in this game but before i do that i would love to tell you about built bar and i have an actual message from a friend of mine a close friend of mine who i gave a built bar to he took a picture of it and he said nothing like a nutritious treat for something or of something sweet nothing like a nutritious treat of something sweet and that is built bar wrapped up in a sentence that's built bar right there it is nutritious but then it's also sweet you almost would feel as if i'm not eating something healthy this is so healthy man like 17 grams of protein four grams of sugar four net carbs like you see the difference between the protein and then the sugar and the net carbs you can't avoid them, but you can minimize them as good as possible and this is exactly what built bar has done he sent me this was a cookies and cream built bar if you want to be like my friend who will remain nameless, but I promise you, this is a real text message. It's a real text message, okay? 
If you want to feel like him, all you got to do is go is all you have to do is go to built.com, use the promo code locked on 15, and you'll get 15% off your offer. There's different flavors, different styles, the regular, the puffs, the cookies and cream, the cookie dough, the strawberry, the raspberry. They have so many things. Absolutely delicious. Just make sure you go to built.com and use the promo code locked on 15 for 15% off your offer. After wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you guys for making it all the way to the end. We got great content for you, all right? But the things I want to watch in this game between Albany State and Benedict College is not only the fact that I think it's going to decide who represents this division in the championship game, but then also because they have good quarterback play, and then they also have good work in the trenches. I think both of those are very exciting. And let's start off with... The quarterback play because, you know, it's the quarterback, right? It's the leader of the team. It's the face of the team. Why not go ahead and go with that? And I'm going to go with Deontay Banu from Albany State. He had a lot of preseason hype. People say SIAC player of the year, right? He hasn't quite lived up to it, but I think his year has been respectable, right? So he might not have been best quarterback in the conference good, but he's been solid. He's been He's been pretty good. He's been dependable, right? So... He had a game last week where he ran for nearly 300 or passed for nearly 300 yards. So maybe he's getting hot. Maybe he's heating up. This is second game like that, but this is his most yards in the game or in a game all season. So possibly this is the time where he starts taking off and now he hits that stride and now he's exactly where people wanted him to be. The only flaw that I really see from him seriously is the turnovers. He has four interceptions on the year. That's something you would want to take down. Other than that, I think he does everything Pretty good. You know, he's not a big runner. You know, he's ran enough for you to feel like, oh, he could run, but he hasn't ran enough for me to feel like I need to worry about him running. You got to run on me first. Like, if you're playing Manu, he has to run on me first before I start respecting, oh, he might really run the rock. That's that's just me, though, right? Um, but you look at his efficiency, he's pretty solid. He typically hovers around the high 50s, low 60% completion percentage he's had an outlier both ways he had one that was 66 percent had one that was 33 percent so he's kind of right there overall for most games he's high 50s low 60s that's what he is and I, I mean that's I like it I'm cool with that I can I can take that so it's these lofty expectations that he had that he didn't hit but that doesn't mean his season has been bad so if you take out what people might have expected him to be I think this is a solid season for him and then you go to Eric Phoenix on the other side for Benedict College, and he has the ability to be safer with the ball, and that's the one distinguishing factor I have. He has eight touchdowns, but New had seven. So they both have decent, uh, good quarterback, or excuse me, good touchdown production, but Banu has four interceptions while Phoenix has none, and that's a big difference. You're not turning over the ball. He ran all over Fort Valley State, but for the most part, he hasn't been a big user of his legs. So <clears throat> these guys are kind of similar where, all right, they both would throw for a solid amount of yards. They're not high in yardage, but it's it's a solid amount of yards. And you understand that with Albany because they're a great run team. Like I said, with, with I keep wanting to call it Benedict Bethune. But like I said with Benedict, they can, do, they can do either one. And they've been in so many blowouts that the backup quarterback has a lot of time. And it, it, it does hamper the stats that Phoenix is able to put up. But overall, I want to go back to the passing game. You look at Reginald Harden. He's like the big play guy. He only has eight catches on the year, but he leads the team 
in yards because he has 30 yards per catch, 28 and a half to be exact. Then you go through and you look at there's more players. You have Stephen Campbell, Jaden Thomas. Those are the guys who are going to get the most catches. So if you're looking for people who are going to be targeted the most, then you might want to see Campbell. You might want to see Thomas. But if you see a play that's deep down the field and it's a bomb, you might want to look at probably Harden. So those are the different styles of receivers. So now we're going to get into the trench work. And you, I'm going to refer back to Coach G's top 10 list. He did a top 10 D, D2 interior defense alignment and then also a top 10 D2 edge rusher two completely different lists 20 players 10 in each category right but i want to talk about those who make both of them you have leonard not leonard lubert dentalis who's holding it down for Benedict college at the number three spot on the edge rusher list the highest edge rusher in this game and then for fort valley you have malik barnes who is eight on the edge rusher list but then you have josh hill and jalen Pugh who is number two and number eight on the interior defensive alignment list so there's some really good play here a good edge rusher will destroy everything. I don't care that he's the only one on this list. When I look at Dennis, he has 10 and a half tackles for a loss. He has eight sacks on the year. Those are ridiculous numbers. Those are really, really good numbers. And overall, yeah, there's a big discrepancy between him and the next guy. But when you're putting up 10 and a half, when you're putting up eight, it's allowed. When you look at tackles for a loss, you have Curtis Williams coming in at four and a half. You have a lot of other guys who are high. Or you have like four and a half, three and a half, three and a half, three and a half. There's a couple of players who are all kind of bunched up in that four and a half to two and a half range to where I know they can get penetration in the run game. And that's going to help because they're going against the number one run offense in the league or in the conference. So you're going to need those type of things. And then when you look at the trenches over there at Fort Valley, man, that defensive line is ridiculous. Like that, that, that front four. Is absolutely crazy. Every single one of them. When we only named three, but one player who I felt wasn't named is Stephen Pierre. Stephen Pierre is like an all-around guy where he leads the team in tackles. He's pretty high in sacks. He's pretty high in tackles for a loss. Like this guy is really good. But when you look at the players who are on the list, Malik Barnes, eight and a half tackles for a loss, two and a half sacks. But that interior, that interior is devastating. Where you're looking at Josh Hill with four sacks, nine and a half tackles for a loss. Both are leading the team. When you look at Jalen Pugh, that's six and a half tackles for a loss. One and a half sack. That interior right, right, right there, that duo right there is combining for 16 sacks. And excuse me, 16 tackles for a loss and then five and a half sacks. This is a dominant interior push. That's going to mess up anybody. I don't think there's anything worse than interior pressure. This is crazy because you can't step up. Now you're forced to try to move around, but you have Malik Barnes. You have uh, Stephen Pierre. So this defensive line could really cause fits. And that's something that... If I had to give a key to victory, defensive line for Fort Valley just has to be the defensive line for Fort Valley. Just be who they are, and it's going to be problems. So, like I said, Dennis is a game wrecker. You have four guys up front for Fort, not Fort Valley, for Albany State. That's just what they have to do. They have to win the trenches, and that's a battle that I'll be truly watching on an every down basis. Now, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for tomorrow's episode, we're going to break down Virginia Union versus Bowie State, and we're going to have Coach G on the show. He's a Virginia Union alum and just an overall expert when it comes to the trenches and breaking down HBCU football, so it was no brainer to bring him on the show. Now, for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out all of our shows on the conference level. We have Locked on ACC, Locked on SEC, Big 12, Pac-12, Sunbelt, and then, of course, right here. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.